Welcome back to another show. Thanks for being here, everybody. Hope you guys are doing well, and we have a little bit of a special episode today. In light of the world happenings and the coronavirus canceling essentially everything and taking us as well, taking us away from our our gyms and maybe even our tracks and our frequently used exercise equipments and training partners and training groups, uh, we all are finding ourselves in a little bit more minimal state of things. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, when we get into these, these states where we really have to pare training down to the bare essentials, it, uh, it, it begs some questions, not uh, of ourselves, uh, not just in what we're doing. And I think we, we see you, you can't go anywhere these days on the internet or social media without seeing tons of body weight training and people working out in their living rooms. And it's great that people are moving, but I really, in my own time, I've, I've really felt a strong need to get to the core of not only movement practices and training and, and which training is truly essential to the athlete I want to be, and, and as well, just the many athletes and that I've been writing programs for and, and having to convert things to body weight and just looking at training in a little bit of a new light there, but also asking some of the greater questions and the whys of all this and, and I think some more some questions that reach into higher levels of sport movement at large and these are all really great things to talk about. I'm excited to have these discussions and as a result I think that when it, we go through these waves of contracting and expanding and when we start expanding again and we start getting access to more equipment and 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 uh, bigger training environments and get back into training groups I hope that we are able to take some things with us in this time. And so, uh, I have for this series, uh, it's in two parts, and each show is going to have three coaches. For this show, we have Jeremy Frisch, Rob Assis, and Dr. Tommy John. Jeremy Frisch is the owner of Achieve Performance in Clinton, Massachusetts. He's been on this show several times and is a guy I absolutely love talking to, not just on youth training, but on any training topic. And Jeremy has an awesome ability to really take that that kid in all of us and to extrapolate that out into training and sport and 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 does so in a manner that's really practical and engaging. I love talking to Jeremy, and we'll be having him on today. Second is Rob Assis. Rob is a track coach at Homewood Flossmoor High School, where he also teaches mathematics. Rob was the guest on episode 96 of this show, and I think on that show we were talking about some of the really cool stuff Rob's doing in terms of uh, variability and reactivity in track and field training. And uh, later on, Rob wrote a couple really cool articles on extreme, his experience with extreme isometrics and his results he got from that and part of that journey and its, it's mental, mental and physical elements. And so we're going to be touching on a little bit more of that today. Finally, we have Dr. Tommy John. Dr. Tommy John, also a multi-time guest on the show and a co-host, recent co-host where we had Jeremy Frisch on. He's a chiropractor, author, and sports performance coach. Tommy has been uh, not only a great guy to talk to in context of this show, but someone who I've learned a ton from in the last year. And he has an awesome message, not just in training, but also in regards to our own healing and well-being. So I'm thrilled to have Tommy back, and I'm excited to bring this show to you guys. I think it was an awesome conversation. And so let's get on to episode 196 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Here we go. Jeremy, good to talk to you, man. I, I feel like you know, we talk about youth sports a lot and what would happen, I, I think about what would happen if there was a big just atomic bomb, so to speak, dropped on the youth sports industry and it had to kind of restart from the ashes. And 
on some level, maybe we're, we're there at least for the time being, but what do you think about all that stuff and with how kids are, I don't know what's, what's, what's happening on the level of kids and play right now with all that. Yeah. Well, I think that you're stuck, you know, you're stuck at home, you're stuck in your neighborhood and even, uh, you know, you're not even allowed. I know, you know, the kids are excited to be out of school, right? But you can't go anywhere. You can't go to anyone's house. You can't go on, you know, go play with any kids or not up close anyways. So as we were saying before, it's like, I think the one of the things that kids are doing a lot of that I've seen and my kids have been doing it is riding bikes, you know, because you're typically away from each other. Uh, you're not too close. You're not jumping or wrestling or anything like that. So I think that's like one of those things that, uh, you know, we've talked about this before too, um, things to, kids used to do that don't do anymore mm -hmm. and this is one of them and riding bikes is sort of like brought back from the ashes um which is which is nice to see and the other thing like too we've been we've been playing a lot of wiffle ball stick ball you know any of those games we took the dog out the other day and i had a my one of my sons had a uh, aluminum bat and i had aluminum bat and we were hitting a tennis ball back and forth down the uh down the street to each other while the dog ran in the middle you know what i mean that's awesome so, Typically, he's at baseball practice, right, or 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 basketball practice. Um, we even uh, I don't know if uh, you've seen my video, but I, we moved the uh, we have a trampoline at our house, and we moved the basketball hoop over above the trampoline so the kids can throw down dunks and and play different games inside the uh, you know inside the trampoline, which is pretty awesome too. So I know someone's going to get their hand or head or foot <laughs> caught. In the, rim one of these days but still i'm worth uh, i'll take that chance yeah they're gonna end up in one of those youtube videos where like their their leg gets caught and they're hanging upside down <laughs> Secondly, yeah, I, went out, I went out uh saturday night and my my youngest son c7 he was like just hanging on the rim after a dunk you know thinking he's lebron or something. <laughs> that's pretty funny. so but, uh, you know it's keeping them busy and keeping them moving and that's what we need right now for sure yeah and it's going back it's yeah taking kids out of organized sports for the time being and going back to the the fundamentals of everything the thing they probably should be doing more of right now anyways and i i like with the riding bikes too it just makes me think about all the all the creativity that comes out when kids ride bikes too you know you're coming you're finding different ways to go off curbs and and yep. you know get around and, and there's you know even though it's 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 a bike and that's not necessarily like running on the ground there's still there's so many like things that are happening that are really exciting yeah yeah for sure there's a lot of like you know, those, uh, those, those little skills that you don't even think about, like dynamic balance and, 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 you know, being able to like lateral balance too. Like that's one of those ones, right? Like, like side to side, like you get, you get good at, even like when you try to accelerate, you're like moving that bike, like side to side while you're driving your feet into the ground. And I always loved how that looked when, when you see like, uh, BMX guys racing and stuff. So, and then of course the first thing my kids, one of my kids did is pull out the ramp when we, they took their bike out. So everyone's riding down the little hill and trying to hit the ramp and jumping off the ramp. And obviously someone falls, right. And got to get up and scrape it off and stuff like that. So, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like, you know, silver lining, I guess, some of the things that are happening because of what's happening out in the world, we're, we're happy to go back to do things that, uh, that uh, we did when we were kids, you know? So it's, uh, it's exciting for, I guess, but I'm mean, still, you know, not easy. Like yeah. my kids still, have, my kids still have Chromebooks and, <laughs> and they still want to go on there and, and spend a lot of time doing that stuff or playing PS4 and all that. But, uh, but, um, you know, that's one of those things where we have to just deal with it and try to work around it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. It's definitely always gonna be a little bit of a battle, especially this day and age, but I, I had seen someone else post that on social media. They said, well, for the first time in forever or whatnot, I've seen, I saw kids playing like in the neighborhood or something like that. 
And yeah, I mean, if people like even just so many people have walked through my neighborhood as well. You know what I mean? Just that I don't normally see just out for walks and trying to get outside and not go stir crazy, you know, inside their house. So there was like two ladies walking around on Friday night. They had they both had glasses of wine just like <laughs> walking through the streets. It was hysterical. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, you had posted something about and, and I'm not too familiar with this. Uh, it was something I, I think I'm assuming someone had a more formal like push-ups or like a get your sweat on for kids type training thing you had posted and versus uh, as we've been talking about just kids playing and doing doing kids stuff right and so tell me a little bit about that and versus so that type of mentality versus some of the you mentioned what your kids are doing I think you had a fun story too about your son who had to run up the stairs and touch the various like furniture in a room and come back or so tell me about a little contrast between that type of mentality and than what you're doing. Sure. You know, so I think, you know, and it's not, uh, you know, I'm not trying to blame anyone, but I think like, you know, probably some parents or, or adults think like, Oh, you know, I do this type of, this type of exercise is good for me. It's probably good for kids. And while moving is great for kids, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They don't really respond or really care or have like the maturity to understand what exercise really is. You know what I mean? They only know movement. They know games. They know things that engages them and makes them happy. Do you know what I mean? So I think that, I think that trying to force them to do exercise just because you do it in, or an, I should say an adult does it, um, you know, I, it's it, obviously, yeah, movement is great, but there's better ways and there's better ways to engage kids and there's better ways to get them to love movement um, than rather than get them to force them to do exercise, you know? So, and it's like every body weight program, it's like gotta be burpees and, you know, <laughs> like, just like you gotta, the idea is like to be out of breath. Well, if you want kids to be out of breath, go outside and play a game of tag or, or play a game of hide and seek or be, you know, play a game of like a, a chase where like uh, you have to run someone down or play pickle. You know, those games, kids have fun. There's an there's objective. You know, they can they, there's a there's a goal. You know, you got to be safe or you're going to be out. You know, there's things like that that they totally grasp and understand. Um, and so that's why I think those type of activities are so much better than just getting a kid to try to exercise. You know, obviously there's a point where a kid probably can exercise. Like I have a son that is, uh, he'll be 13 in a, in, in a month. Right. And he, the other day he was, I was like, he didn't want to go outside and play, you know, play with the younger kids. So I was like, dude, why don't you go downstairs and, you know, go get a workout in. So he went down and did like, you know, 30 second ISO lunges, nice. some medicine ball slams. And, you know, he did some, uh, he did some kettlebell swings and, and things like that. So he's sort of getting, making that transition. Whereas like my younger my youngest son, you know, he, he'll play in a trampoline. He'll, he'll run around. He'll ask me to make him an obstacle course. He'll want to wrestle. My daughter does gymnastics. So we, I brought home some gymnastics mats and she does cartwheels and flips and things like that. You know what I mean? So I think that's where, you know, you got to try to find movements and exercises and activities that kids enjoy. And that, and that will lead them to do more than, you know, a 30 minute sweat of, uh, you know, body burn <laughs> it's pretty sweat and body burn yeah you, know, you, know, you can find those videos like on demand and on oh, comcast yeah. and you know it's like oh that's not what for that's not might be good for a, an adult but not great for a kid yeah i feel like even even for adults too i i think about the idea of having the first five or ten minutes of something have some exploration and play to it even for an adult i think that stuff is good even for someone who's not an athlete or wasn't even necessarily an athlete just it it's just engaging but i i never heard any i'd never i should have thought about this but i've never heard anyone mention that that spectrum of movement into exercising or how 
you know, the, right. the mentality being different and how that paradigm can shift and, and through the ages. I know you've talked about similar things, but I've never heard you frame it quite that way. And it makes a lot of sense. I think like, even like, um, you know, we were doing some gymnastics stuff yesterday in my, just like literally in our living room. Cause we have a gymnastics mat and my wife walked by, walked in and she's like, Oh, let me try a handstand. Like it just, <laughs> you know, you see one of us tries it and the other one tries it. Then everyone's doing it. You know yes. what I mean? So it's funny to see, like, uh, we've talked about this before. Like, um, my, my two older sons who are growing like weeds, you know, um, they haven't probably it's, yeah, they're more into sports now. So they probably haven't done like a forward roll or a shoulder roll or some of those things in a while. It's funny to sort of see how awkward they've gotten at them because they used to, when they were younger, you know, they would hit that stuff like it was nothing. And now they've grown quite a bit and they haven't done to practice those things in a while. And like to see them try those things again, it's pretty funny because they, it's almost like they have to relearn it. Huh? That- so we spent some time, you know, just messing around doing roll different shoulder rolls and, you know, forward rolls and cartwheels and handstands, things like that yesterday. It was hysterical to watch. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really, yeah. I'll, when my kids hit a growth spurt, I'll have to, I'll have to keep an eye on how some of those skills have to be relearned with a growing body. It's crazy. Um, yeah. You, Cause you think like they, uh, their, their center about, ba- you know, their center of gravity and their balance sort of gets thrown off a little bit. So it's probably a great idea to revisit those things as they get older. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Last thing quickly before, uh, we we finished this little session up here is I know for you so obviously being an adult and more in the training uh, yep. stage you you forwarded me a uh, this is definitely the epitome of training is you forwarded me uh, an Evo Plus or Jay Schrader workout and you said hardest um, you hardest upper body workout ever uh, can you tell us a little bit about what that was and and or what you've been doing I guess too in this time yeah. Yeah. So I, so I was, so anytime, you know, uh, I th- I feel like anytime I go on vacation or I have to go somewhere and I'll be with uh, limited, uh, equipment, it's like, uh, Evo, Evo sport, you know, workouts and those type of ideas are just like totally perfect oh, right? yeah. because it's minimal equipment and just brutally hard and like just does the trick And like in, in reality, like you, it basically trains everything you could ever need. Right. And so I started scrolling through some of those workouts that I've had and I found that one and it was like, you know, ISO extreme push up, and then followed by like towel bench press for I think it was like 20 or 25 reps followed by like, you know, curl to press with a towel. And and I remember looking at it when I first got the got a hold of that workout and and being like, Oh, this is nothing. And it's like, you have to repeat that 12 times. And it, I mean, most people can't even hold a, a push up for a minute by them just that, you know, that's enough for a lot of people just to try to get through one minute of good position right but then follow it up with like that dynamic movement of like benching a towel and pressing a towel i i i've never like <laughs> i've never had like a, my shoulders and chest and biceps <laughs> be so pumped up in my life and that's always my go-to like my college kids when i go on vacation i'm like do this workout while you're away because i guarantee you won't even get through the whole thing yeah yeah you said hardest upper body workout ever and at first i was like i was just thinking Oh, this doesn't, you know, this doesn't seem so bad. And then I was like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, you're saying 11 rounds and that's, um, yeah, right. it's, yeah, I did like three rounds basically of it the other day and that was pretty good. I was like, that's good for now. I'm going to build myself up from here. So yeah, that stuff yeah. is awesome. That stuff is really awesome for times like this. It's good. So, so my own, you know, like I downstairs now I have like, um, you know, I have a, a, a couple kettlebells and I have, you know, my parallettes where I can like do those type of exercises, um. So lately I've been doing uh, plenty of kettlebell swings 
with a lot of ISO extremes, uh, especially lunge. I've been doing a, I do have a, just a, a bar with like five, 10, 15 pounds. And I've been doing a lot of like Zercher. I told it, stole this from Tommy John. Uh, Zercher, like uh, isometrics, oh, yeah. uh, isometric lunges. Yeah, my knee's been a junk for like the last year. And like, that's one of those exercises that just makes my legs and my knee feel good. So I've been doing a lot of that. I've been, I'll pair those together. So I'll do maybe like 30 seconds Zercher ISO lunge with the right leg and then I'll switch to the left and then I'll follow that up with something dynamic, like, uh, like, you know, maybe 15, 20 kettlebell swings, you know, something like that. Do five rounds. I mean, you're, you're working, you know, you're working hard. Um, then upper body similar. I've been, I just, someone gave me one of those old, like chin, chin up dip, uh, things like rigs there. You can do chin ups and dips on them. So I, I'm always huge with chin ups. Uh, you know, I'll do, Every time I train, I'll try to do 40 or 50 chin-ups and different variations and different hand grips or hang. I like to hang mm. too. And I'm a huge fan of dips. And so especially like, and you know, like ISO extreme dips, probably one of the hardest things you can do, trying to hold your entire body weight in a, you know, a deep, you know, all the way down to that position. So I'll do like a lot of, because I feel like it's very difficult to like hold for a long duration in a, on the dip. So I'll do like very short, like maybe 10 second holds and come up and I'll do that for like three in a row. So three 10 second holds for, you know, last 30 seconds. And, you know, something like that would really, really, I feel like I trains me at my strength, a little bit of endurance. You know, I got that pump that you're looking for kind of gets everything I need. Yeah, that's a, it, it's, that's definitely a go-to. I've been using it a lot for my, um, my actual in smaller volumes. I've been using it on my recovery days, uh, like like I said, like three rounds or doing some, like you've talked about like the lunges with the rebound, the little dumbbell rebounds and trying to use that yeah. on my, my off days and smaller volumes just to kind of get myself. It's just fast too. It's efficient with the rest of your day and it's real easy. And it really is. Yep. Yep. And I like to move, like I like to move from one exercise to the other, you know what I mean? So I, whether I'm bouncing back and forth between lunges and, and like swings or like chin ups and dips or, you know, or I'll do all four, like I'll do like lunges, swings, then dips and then chin ups. You know what I mean? I'll just kind of bounce and I'm not trying to fly, right? I'm mm -hmm. not trying to like go as fast as I can, like a death circuit. I'll do one and it's hard and I catch my breath and then I'll move on to the next and I'll do something else. You know what I mean? And I'll just slowly work through that circuit four or five times. And, you know, after, after four or five rounds, you're pretty smoked, tired. It maybe takes ha half hour, 40 minutes and I get on with my day, you know? Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at these days. Then I can go play some hoops, you know, or if I want to do some some moving around, I'll, you know, or go play with my kids and make up some silly game, you know. Yeah, yeah, you get your um, yeah. So you're really sectioning out the the training and the movement. <laughs> so you're training, you're training, and then you're going and moving outside of that and having yeah, fun. Yeah, if I'm gonna train, I feel like I gotta be by myself, and I really need to just like work hard and like and and not like and then if I'm gonna go play or do something else, I go go off and do that. You know, it's kind of more recreational for me like we've been doing too like a lot of hike a lot of woods around here so a lot of hikes and you know different trails to walk down and rocks to climb and things like that so my seven-year-old just like you know he sees a rock he has to climb it so we do a lot of that stuff too that's awesome well really cool so it was great talking to you with about about all that stuff today and it's um yeah it's just fun to see again how training when we're in a small environment it really is just a mirror of i think everything else that we do or the way we see it so uh sure. it's been good chatting today jeremy all right man great to talk to you i wanted to take a quick break from the show to share with you a little bit about what our sponsor simplyfaster.com now has available in their store 
You hear me mention in the outro of the show all the time about the free lap timing system in the K-Box, which I have and use regularly. But today I wanted to share a little bit more about the bar speed monitoring units that Simply Faster has, which is the Gymware and the new portable flex unit. So let me start with the Gymware. I mention it regularly on the show. It's been referred to as the Cadillac of bar speed monitors. Carl Valley calls it a lab inside a lunchbox, as the readings you get out of the Gymware go well beyond typical concentric or just up the up phase of the lift velocities. Rather, you can measure the entire shape of the barbell lift in terms of eccentric velocity, range of motion, and total work done. Total work being awesome, by the way, especially like comparing a long-armed bench presser or a 6'10", squatter versus a 511 point guard so you're getting all these extra metrics that you're not getting on other units it's perfect for teams wanting to manage the weight room and the data synchronizes to software platforms such as coach plus team builder and athlete monitoring so new to the store is the flex which is the ultra portable and lower price travel version of the coach's favorite gym aware so just like the gym where the flex measures the shape of each rep range of motion total work done eccentric dynamics so for this and the gym aware, this is the advantage that a force plate would have over just knowing how high you jumped. You're getting many other metrics and information that go into this unit of work. Compared to similar portable bar speed monitors, this unit gets the entire rep rather than a fraction. So you have here two awesome tools. And if you're interested in upping your game in the velocity-based training and bar speed world, I would definitely recommend heading to the store at simplyfaster.com and checking into these two units. All right, let's get back to the show. Rob, you're a man who I feel like your work, your workout routine has perhaps been a little less impacted than a lot of people based off of the five-minute lunge things that you were doing a year ago. But could you tell us a little bit about what's your, uh, what does your workout uh, look like right now for you in with your daily schedule? Yeah, so my big thing was just to try having more time, just trying to get to. The, the big basics for me. So that, that has been the ISO lunge. Uh, I'm in a process of accumulating 20 minutes a day in that position, 10 on each leg. Um, I'm trying to hang uh, from a bar, just dead hang or like an extreme ISO pull up uh, for five to 10 minutes every day. Uh, and then I, I've been doing Dr. Tommy John's uh, spinal hygiene routine uh, pretty regularly. I just mix that in throughout the course of the day. Uh, and then I just go for walks. And that, that's basically what I've been doing. Uh, I'm going to probably do that for three weeks here because that's the time that will be off for school uh, right now. We'll see what happens going back. But then I'll probably progress into something else uh, moving forward. Yeah, the, the simplicity of that is something that I think is important as we all uh, as we all have, have made adjustments, but you, but for you, it wasn't really that much different necessarily, because I think before all this, you were doing something pretty similar, right? Right. Yeah. And it, it was, there's more variety uh, to it for sure. Um, and I, I try to be just intuitive with it. Uh, the, the 20 accumulating 20 minutes for me, that was just more of a, a new challenge for me just to see what the, uh, I figured it was a good time to, to try something different and see what the, uh, outcomes of that would be, uh, which have been somewhat similar to what I was getting when I was, uh, lunging twice in, twice a day. So, uh, it's been kind of cool to see the results of that just, uh, about a week and a half into that now. Yeah, so I know you wrote an article on this last year that was extremely popular, but just doing, just working up to a five-minute ISO lunch and just trying to go as long as you could. Um, what were, because I always, my thoughts are always, 
I, I like the 80 20 principle. Like, you know, if tw- or 20% of the work gets you 80% of the results or my thought process was always, well, what, what do you get in the last two or three minutes of that five minute ISO lens that you can't get in two? And mm-hmm. so what, as you went through that in getting a five minute ISO lens, um, tell us about, well, first how you progress, like what your time was like starting and then up through finishing. And then mm-hmm. what sort of changes did you notice as you started to get better at it? Yeah. Uh, the first session, uh, I think I did, I was at about like a minute 20 and, uh, I mean, I felt like it was the hardest thing I ever did, you know, just to get to a minute 20. Uh, but the cool thing with it for me was it, I was able to improve. I was pretty consistent with it. Uh, I was at that time I was probably doing it maybe five times a week. Uh, and I was able to improve pretty quickly. Uh, but then I, I definitely plateaued and I was probably, you know, anywhere getting between three to three and a half minutes, I think. Uh, and I really wasn't doing anything to kind of push that forward. Uh, and then I finally decided, uh, through our mutual friend to, uh, give it a go, uh, and, uh, to, to do it twice a day and, and see what would happen. Uh, that definitely uh, put me over the edge where I think a week into that doing it like 11 times a week, uh, I was able to get to the, the five minutes. So, uh, it was definitely a battle. Uh, and it was, you know, it was basically me just kind of being a wimp about it for, for about seven months, you know, just not really trying to get to the five minutes, like, you know, or, or doing something about it. Uh, but then, you know, when I finally committed to it, I was able to, uh, in terms of like what you get from that last, like the three to five, I, I mean, I, I think there's obviously benefits going, uh, under three minutes, but, uh, I, you know, if you've talked with like Dr. Mark Wetzel, where he talks about like that cycling of energy systems, uh, like I, I felt like I could feel that, like when I would be really struggling in like the last minute, minute and a half, uh, just to try to contract harder. And I was able to, to hold it longer. So I, it's just one of those things where you got to kind of try it and, and see. But uh, for me, it was just more of a, I mean, there was obviously the physical challenge, but it was also just something that was uh, really mentally demanding. And I think that was probably the, the biggest benefit for me. Like I hated doing it while I was doing it. But then afterwards, I just felt like com- completely at peace. And, uh, you know, I, I've always leading up to trying to go into a session where, you know, you're going to try to push yourself fully uh, was a challenge, but I never regretted doing it afterwards, you know? Yeah. So what in terms of, yeah. And the last, the, the mental resiliency for the last few minutes is, I mean, I, I, the way I see it, I think, I think Tommy's said this as well, I think, but if you can get four minutes, you can get five minutes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it really is. And I think that maybe it's something to do with the energy system cycle and things like that. But my thought, and this is this is where I think I was afraid to go all in, in the sense that, because I, I, my, per, personally, this is just me, but I was a little skeptical of the, any, in terms of um, adaptations to like speed and power, I think, mm-hmm. or, or, or preserving or anything like that. And the thing that I'm going to be doing actually here soon, I finally have all my equipment for this, but I got a, a Moxie monitor and... I want to see how blood oxygen is impacted throughout mm-hmm. the course of this, which to me, that'll mm-hmm. be fascinating stuff, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so anyways, um, that all being said, what, 
um you know you were playing like i think you play pickup basketball or anything like that like what did did you notice anything from and like did movements feel more effortless did you have more endurance on the court did any jumping or sprinting you know um things that you noticed what are we in terms of any sort of global transfer what were some things that you were noticing yeah uh the biggest one for me doing the old man basketball is like i just didn't get tired i, I mean it was bizarre where i i mean I, I wouldn't say it's like it's not the most competitive old man basketball and i'm one of the younger guys uh but um it was like to a point where i mean i could literally i felt like i could just sprint like almost the whole time um you know and it was it was yeah i just flat out like did not get tired uh in terms of like my ability to sprint or jump um i don't know if i noticed much of a difference you know i'll be perfectly honest there uh, but I also, you know, was, I wasn't doing sprint workouts mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and like jumping on the court, um, I don't, I don't know if it was like easier to, to jump or I didn't, I did I, it wasn't that part of it wasn't, wasn't noticeable. It was more of just the overall like an endurance factor, like just not being able to go, uh, as hard as I could, uh, f- pretty much the whole game you know, for the most part. So that, that was, that was the big one for me. Yeah. So maybe a speed endurance component to it for sure. Cool. Uh, yeah, that gets me thinking. And I was, I was kind of trying to connect these dots because I'm, I'm starting to do a lot more of the, the Jay Schrader training methods now. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, which is a blessing because I think there's, it's, I think it's easily misunderstood system or, or just maybe under, I just think people don't get into it and experiment with it enough. And mm-hmm. try to make it their own enough, you know, too. I think that's important, too. And obviously, Jay's, Jay Sherr being the one who invented all this in the first place. And I was listening to a podcast he did with Ben Greenfield recently. And, you know, amongst mm-hmm. the stories of all this, like, especially with the extreme ISOs and obviously things like the ARP wave are being used, too. And, and that using that's potential to eliminate muscle compensations. But it's the the big stories you hear are like the endurance stories, like the mm-hmm. the marathoner, half marathoner who basically just did the lunges eleven times a week or something like that and ran once a week at high pace, at race pace. And mm-hmm. uh, there was a story on the Ben Greenfield podcast about a swimmer where they basically did something something like that. I think they were doing the ARP wave and then going and swimming fast or, and going back and forth. But mm-hmm. um, it is it does seem to be the endurance stories, and I've I've also had similar. Uh, the uh, guy, I think it was Michael Tankovich, who is uh, works for the Seahawks, and he had told me that there was one of Jay's guys was up there, and and his like repeat sprint ability was was incredible, something something to mm-hmm. that tune, and so, but I guess he had only done that player had only done extreme isos for three weeks, and Jay said he was okay on that, needed to do something else. I, I don't, you know, anyway. So bottom line is, I feel like it, um, there's something to that, and and the repeat repeatability and for what it's worth and you know, a base or how long I, these are the questions I ask. So it's something mm-hmm. that I'm, that I'm interested in talking to you about. Yeah. And I, the big thing, you know, the, the like first phase of it from what I've heard is, it's just, you know, establishing sort of, I don't like the word base, but establishing the base through, through the holds and making sure that you're able to get in proper position. Uh, but there's maybe the explosive part, uh, which I've done some of the lunge derivatives and things like that. Uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of that, within that system too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those things are fun for me. I mean, I was, you know, I've, I've done drops and rebounds and, and I'll, you know, jump into, jump into a lunge. Uh, and those are definitely break up the monotony, uh, for sure. 
Uh, so once this three week cycle is over for me, I think I'll probably go into you know some stuff that a little bit more explosive type base uh, to it. But uh, it's definitely I've, I've listened to that uh, Greenfield podcast as well, and it, it's pretty interesting. Uh, the swimming one was the one that I found the most interesting, where you know just that ability to maintain position at high velocity. Yeah, uh, is really kind of what it all comes down to. Yeah, I think Jay said uh, muscles to to be like eccentrically oriented with the muscles or something like that, which actually gets me mm-hmm. thinking of uh, the the Darren Bar gravity talking about falling, and it's almost like mm-hmm. you're letting muscles you work eccentrically. It's I think it's mm-hmm. a similar. It just depends on your side of the vernacular because I think some people get the wrong impression when they hear the word falling or yielding. But I think mm-hmm. that that it is. I think it comes from a mutual place. Um, so, yeah, no, that was a real interesting show. And I think that well, I was just thinking if, you know, whoever gets quarantined, like, you know, I, we're still allowed to go on and walks and essential business. But I think anyone who's an endurance athlete and ends up like being like locked in their room, <laughs> wherever you are in the world, should mm-hmm. probably it, it do lunges 11 times or whatever. And then go mm-hmm. do, make sure you do a run right before they lock you off, I guess, obviously keeping your social distance and all that Mm -hmm. and then time yourself and then go and do the thing you know the 11 lunges a week and then go back and time it again and it'd be interesting to see what um or maybe you know push-ups iso push-up too maybe if you're a swimmer or something i don't know Mm -hmm. um it'd be cool to see how that was able to help people maintain i think it'd be a a good grounds for a little experiment there yeah for sure yeah that would be the time to do it yeah, for sure. So anyways, well, very cool. Um, I was going to say too, my, I'm going to, yeah, I'm planning on doing some of the rebounding stuff, the, like a smaller dose. My, my adaptation is on my recovery day is doing like not as long, but a lot of the reboundy and like the balance lunges and that type of stuff. And so mm-hmm. I'm excited for it. It's good, good chance to learn and learn more about myself and, and a little bit of neurology and how their body works in those conditions. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always fun to do you know, like the drops and rebounds because it's, I mean, you're catching a falling weight, like things just turn on at the right time, you know? Um, it's so for a lot of them, it's, it's sort of hard to mess up. If you're, if you have a good base in the, in the position, like you, your body, your, your muscles will turn on the way that they're supposed to, which is a good thing. Yeah. Which has been good for our athletes too, in, in giving, uh, things for them to do, uh, because they, they have, they can do shoulder rebounds and bicep rebounds because, they, they have like a paper towel roll that they can catch, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, so yeah, right. Good stuff. Yeah. Right on. Right on. I think this will be a time where we can learn a lot of things, new things about the body in a, a little bit more minimal environment. So thanks for your time mm-hmm. today, Rob. It's good talking. Yeah. Thank you. Just a quick note too, in the aftermath of that show with Rob, Rob had mentioned that when he unloaded from those extreme isometrics, Uh, like a week or so of an unload, he noticed a significant boost in his sprinting and vertical sprinting speed and vertical jump. So uh, that was one thing that we didn't hit on the show, but I did want to mention because I think it's important. So now that you know that, let's get on to the next segment with Dr. Tommy John. So bodyweight training, Tommy, um, I suppose not a lot of your workout program has changed, huh? Pretty same old, same old in a lot of ways. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Considering the circumstances, everyone has asked me. They're like, why aren't you posting workouts like now, like in-home workouts? Everyone's posting. I'm like, like the last eight years of my videos are those. Like I've been – I've been the, the, the literally like how has your training changed or how has your training that you're approaching changed? How has your lifestyle changed? Everything is almost exactly the same. I'm just trying to dodge the hysteria bullets more like that's it that's a little more conditioning where i'm trying to dodge those bullets 
But um, yeah, the training has stayed exactly the same. I, it's almost like I, I'm thankfully able to still be open. The chiropractic portion of my practice is still open. I've, I've there's a little caution there um, as far as symptoms. Nobody coming in with symptoms. Wash, wipe down the uh, equipment. Keep the numbers super low. Appointment only. Like there's certain things I'll follow, but other than that, I, I'm I, honestly, dude. I'm walking more. I logged 40 miles in two days on the beach. Now, when I walk, okay, and this is why I push. I'm a big fan of walking for many reasons. But one of the things, like when I get fatigued, it's glutes. Fine. Like like glutes. It's almost like like sprint fatigue. Like sprint, I'll get hamstring. But like walking, I'll get glutes. When I did used to jog, it was like quads and knees, huh. right? It was just like quads, 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 knees. And and I could go into technique and all that other stuff. Maybe I was I could alter it. But with sprinting, my hamstrings would be on fire, like in a good fire way, like training way, right? Um, walking, glutes, and anterior tib, uh, anterior tibialis, right? So I walked so much. Because of this new thing, I'm done earlier in the day. Like, I'm done kind of 3, 3.30. So I just get out, and I'll go walk, keeping my social distance and everything else. But I'll I'll log miles. Dude, my left anterior tip is so flipping sore. It's on the verge. It's not injured. I would not call it injury. But it was just like I went from logging these good, decent miles to like, oh, my God. And now it's just I'm having to now up my training even more because I found a leak in my, my piping. (laughs) I found a leak in my system, the energy leak coming out of my left anterior tip. So I've got some things to address, but I thought it was interesting. My training has not changed much, but my miles in in walking have, um, and I'm feeling it and I feel it glutes and anterior tip when I start logging, like, like getting after it miles. So I think that's my, yeah, hell yeah. I, I think the reasons uh, the reasons that you like walking and that long walks are good is it should go without saying. But if do you care to expand upon that just a little bit and some yeah. of the benefits? You yeah. See? So I I feel um, the creative side of me comes out, and as you know, we're we're all artists, right? Whether it's programming or or bringing in information in, in a creative way to to get create it to a, into a digestible manner for our audience, right? Like I just get these ideas on things that I could do or podcast ideas or and it's, it doesn't, if I'm sitting in my apartment, just staring off, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. But when, as soon as I start walking, it's just like, boom. so from a creative standpoint, I know that research has showed that another reason it boosts parasympathetic activity. Like it boosts the regenerating, the calming, the repair, and I think we all need that, um, you know, whether we're sympathetic dominant, admittedly, consciously, or just anytime we're just hanging out. Now, I don't know how we even exist with anybody and you're not bringing on, taking on their their baggage, their energetic baggage, right? So any chance we get to offer, whether it's however you're going to do that in, in boosting parasympathetic response, um, I'll, I'll do that because when I'm done with these long walks, I'm literally, it's almost like a long at the end of a long meditation or at the end, like, I'm just like, whew, I'm just like middle boom, like just stable across the board. Al- almost just like, if you want to screw with me, that's the time to screw with me. Cause I'm, I'm not going to do anything. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll literally be tolerant so much more. Like, all right, cool. <laughs> like almost a drug-induced state that I haven't been at in, you know, 25 years or something like that. But, um, or 20 years. But, uh, yeah. And then uh, there's also the, besides the parasympathetic boost and just that healing response, I love exploration. Like, I think there's that part of the child still inside me, obviously, where you try to barricade a kid in the kitchen, right? And they, they will do everything. Or they're in the cupboard pulling out pans. They're just exploring. Constant, constant, constant stimulus. And I love walking because it's an ever-changing environment. It's outside. Nothing's the same. Like, everything is almost, like, new. And it's like, but you've lived in that place for five years. You've done that walk or you've done that path. I know, but there's different people. There's different growth of flowers. There's different shade of light. There's different smells. There's different feel. There's different temperature. It, like everything, my experience is completely different when you focus on the, on the smaller details of those walks. And it's almost like a movie. Like a, like it's just like these images just passing in front of me, and I just, I can't get enough of them that I almost have to watch out where I'm going because I'll get so far away and I'll forget that I got to go back. Then I'll, I'll literally contemplate Uber. And I'm like, no, you little bitch. <laughs> like, you can't do Uber, man. You stand for this whole thing. Like, stop. Just take a nap or something, but don't call Uber. Um, but I do get so far away from my house sometimes that it takes me so long to get back. Um, and then another thing, when you walk, you pump your sacrum. Sacrum pumps helps that cerebrospinal fluid flush, which uh, according to some takes 12 hours to totally create a cycle or whatever. Um through respiration and walking, I love both of them. So I'll breathe nasally as I walk, you know, which kind of adds to that parasympathetic response. And damn, dude, I just, I'm a big, not like, I'm trying not to check the box time of guy kind of guy, you know, this. And so when I do walk, I'm very intent full. When I do walk, like I'm connecting with why I'm walking, I'm connecting with ideas, I'm connecting with my body and I can literally see and feel that fluid. Like I try to picture it, you know what I mean? Like as a positive flow and it going up and just bathing my brain and sweeping out whatever doesn't need to be there and putting it back out and sending it out into the lymph and it's coming out and it's coming out my skin or it's just come. That's my picture. Oddly to say, I don't, I don't know if anybody else <laughs> pictures that or experiences that. But when I go on those walks, that is something, uh, those are the things that I'm, that I kind of, the reasons I keep them in my life and I'm trying to promote them as much as possible, uh, to all clientele of, of any age, you know, our first year, you know, this with kids and we all went through this, right. Our first year or 15 months is everything is geared around moving towards this one single goal. What's that to stand and walk. So because it took that long and that was like our mantra for like these crazy amount of time of our life, damn, it must be important. That's something that I respect very much of the human capacity is the ability to walk. And then if you can walk real well, I think you can run. And if you can run real well, you should be able to plant. Like it's almost like a foundational athletic bottom of the pyramid type move, like be able to walk real well. We always like look at gait or cross crawl patterning, right? Like what, what better representation of that than, than walking. And you've seen this. I don't know if you've seen you observe your athletes when I'll observe them and I watch them walk in from their car. Not a lot of them walk well. Like they don't, they don't like flow. You, you know what I mean? That's almost, and it's not even like a, a pimp, like a pimp skip or limp or whatever they're called, the pimp limp or 
I don't even know, (laughs) whatever it's called. You know what I mean? Like where there's a little rhythm to it. And it's like, all right, that's just his. He kind of made her. That's hers. They're they're just like all awkward and they don't they don't know how. And then you go ahead and put them into a cross crawl test or have to have them sync it up when they're tired or load them or or stimulate them in some way through training. And and they just like discombobulate it. They just like fall apart. Um, Have you ever seen Zion Williamson walk? Uh, I haven't paid it maybe, but I haven't paid attention to it. <laughs> it's so I only know because who was it? Um, whoever was working for Stack was writing for Stack. Um, damn it, I don't know was his it name. Brandon I, Hall. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm I apologize so badly for forgetting his name. Um, he's no longer with Stack, but um, we were talking about the Zion Williamson injury, the knee, and we were mm-hmm. talking about stuff, and he had brought up. Uh, I didn't know this, but he had brought up how he has you watch him walk and it's real like, and and then somebody made like somebody's posting those, those videos that go viral where they, they imitate the different players. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a guy and, he, and he's like, the way he walks, it's hilarious. I'm like, Oh my God. And then I go back and try to watch Zion Williamson walk. And I guess that's one of the things they're working with whoever he's training with uh, maybe put someplace in California. Right. I, I don't know. Or, I I heard that they were trying to retool his like gate and stuff like that. Right. So, and I was trying and to I, figure out what they were doing. Yeah. I don't, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know what they're doing. Right. It's kind of cool. Right. It makes you think. Um, I think they even mentioned in Baxter Holmes article about how the uh, pediatric ACL is on surgeries on the increase because of the, the butchering of the youth sports system in, in, youth basketball. And he was talking a lot about that. And they said Zion Williamson might be a product of the American system. And if he wasn't such a freak, he wouldn't have survived so long. You know, the guy's a freak. I mean, he's just a freak in all sense of the word. And they had to throw out their old model to try to train because he doesn't rehab normally. He doesn't train normally. How there's any model for anybody, because all humans should be unique, right? Like we should all kind of look at them in a unique unique manner, I think. Um, but yeah, they they analyzed his gait and were trying to fix some things. And I was like, what is his gait? And then you go look and try to find videos of him walking. It's very, very interesting. Now, whatever that means, I don't know. But again, coming back to a human being should be able to to walk. Yes. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> very as, well. As you we were talking, a couple of things were kind of hitting me. One was um, I think world leaders, more world leaders should make decisions in the midst of a like everyone's got to start walking on the beach. And after like three or four miles in, then they can start talking. How about can... that, right? <laughs> before like UN meetings or before these big big gatherings. Yeah, that would be a that would be interesting to see. I I was also thinking too. I just I've been really thinking about the idea of, and I think it's important for uh, coaches especially or anybody anybody, but in coaching to have a creative practice because I think we so yeah. often don't. And there's a lot of different ways of having that. Uh, something I've totally. been trying to do more is inspired my by Paul Cater is more like art, like my daughter draws with watercolors. So I'm trying to draw with her and stuff like that. But that's awesome. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's good. It's, it's, but I also just, um, I, before I was married, like seven years ago, eight years ago, I would, I was doing the long walks too. I remember I walked like, I probably walked about six miles one way and six miles the other one day and just listened to an audio book. And it was awesome. That, That that's, and you're right. It's, there's something to that. That's, um, it's almost like in our genes, like the ability for humans to walk long distances. Cause I think Great that's one thing we're really good at it. Yeah. Um, wait, what did you say? Oh, and something about the creative, you, you spark something else. Dr. Kelly Brogan, um, she wrote own yourself. She's a holistic psychiatrist. And she made an interesting comment. I don't know if I talked to you about it when you visited or if it was on one of our other uh, talks that were recorded, but 
she says the artist, like the creative side of us, the artist side of us is is the element that truly heals us. That is the 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 head of our ability to heal. And she goes, the reason being the artist sees no limits. The artist sees no plan. The artist sees no there, there's no it's just this open what is possible in this whole thing? And that's where we kind of got to go, whether it's performance or healing, right? And I, I, that stuck with me so much because I'm just like, wow. And even those people that will say, I'm not creative, I'm not an artist, everybody is to an mm-hmm. extent. You know what I mean? You, you said it, right? Like there might be some people like, I can't program for shit. You, you know, or I, but, but still, that might – it's almost like we're being too hard on ourselves to because we don't come up with like – but it's probably better than what you think it is. Do you know what I mean? And and is the artist like the artist? It's like that perfect side of you, which I have. Like when I draw, I've done three drawings in my life, charcoal drawings. But I'm very. They take like 25 hours, and uh, one of a bowl of fruit in high school, one of an ex girlfriend, and one of uh, my brother, my late brother. And there's the two sides of me. The artist side just gets into it, and I I like come back away after four hours down on the page, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, hell yeah. All right. I walk away. Then there's this side of me that's the analytical side that in the middle of the night, I open my eyes and wake up and I'm like, his right eye is not exact. <laughs> and I'll go into the kitchen and erase his right eye. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's wrong with you? And those two don't get along. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so we bo- I feel like we all have battles in varying degrees where sometimes the analytical is this big brawny beast and the artist is a tiny person or you know, the artist is the beast and the, the analytical, the, so I think it's this nice harmonious relationship where we, we all have that expression inside us. If it's that like boundless, right. Color within the lines, what lines or the path, you know, somebody chooses the hard path or the easy path. And somebody says, you're assuming I see a path. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know who said that or whatever, but that always stood out. I was like, that's pretty badass, you know? Yeah, I, I speak to the creativity too, and I, I couldn't agree more. I think that creativity is, it's almost, I look at the way that I think a lot of coaching, especially on like the organizational level is driven, it's, it's data and it's evidence-based. Yes. And I think there's nothing wrong with, uh, there's nothing totally. wrong with research, but I think if everything has to be that analytical and you aren't pri- you aren't putting a priority on the ability to create and to intuit mm-hmm. <laughs> and to read the situation artistically, I think that's a problem. And so, I, I mean, I, I definitely, I think my, and I'll, I'll admit it, my brain is biased more towards creativity with analyticals as necessary. That's just my bias for the most part. Oh, wow. Part. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and not that I don't like going through research for various purposes, but um, sure. I hear you. I, I would like to, I, I was going to ask you though, you know, in nature, right? Like, I feel like that's the, and this with the current training situation for a lot of people, myself included, I view it as a huge blessing. Like, just the, the the inherent creativity that comes with finding out or figuring out how to train in your environment. And it's like, here you have some trees or you got this these rocks or this hill. Okay, go figure something out. And that time to me has always been far more rewarding than, yeah. than figuring out a scheme in the gym where it's like you have the same equipment every day. Here's some barbells. Right. Here's a track. Find it periodization scheme and i like that too like and it's cool to find a real good one like oh yeah yeah yes this was awesome but that that inherent artist side of you that that inner artistic animal loves the it's the rocky it's the it's it's the rocky training it's here here's some here's some pieces of your environment 
and now figure it out. And, uh, and I was, I really enjoy that. And I know, you know, you've always talked about like nature is your gym and, and yeah. things like that as well. I go, uh, I, and I, we always refer back to this and we love, I just, uh, he's awesome. But Jeremy Frisch will say, you know, there's a, there's a rock in the middle of the field and he won't cue the kids at all. It's like, just show them the rock. And they just end up turning into an obstacle and they show 16 different ways of leaping it, right? And landing 16 different ways. And it's like, <laughs> there you go. So it's almost like, I feel like we connect to a deeper level. Now, now it, I love both, right? Like you said, and uh, but I love connecting the reason behind both, your intention behind both. Mm-hmm. So if we yes. got creative and yourself was the apparatus or you really had to figure out how to control your body around an awkwardly shaped unstable or slippery or cold or you know i can't grip well it's not ergonomically sound which i drives me up a wall like you you're the ergonomics you figure it out (laughs) you know what i mean if something simple like we're gonna it's going to do the work for us like we should struggle a little more and then use what we learned there when we bring it back to bars and and levers and pulleys in a gym in a fixed setting. And then whatever's going on there, we apply when we can get creative. I feel like there's a blend. There's an absolute healthy blend that we could all use as coaches or therapists or, or doctors or, or whoever's out there. Um, and the challenge is trying to connect it all. And that's why I keep saying these boxes, like we don't check boxes. I trained outside. I trained inside. Was it fun outside? Yeah, they had fun. <laughs> okay. But you know, like, why'd you do it though? You know what I mean? I always ask that question. Like, why the hell am I doing this? And somebody will literally be like, TJ, are you done with your sets when I'm training inside? Yeah, why? Why are you done? Because I became disinterested. And they just laugh every time I use that answer. And they're just like, what? And I'm like, I lost my want to do it. Like, I'm not doing it just to do it. You you know what I mean? Like, oh, but you're training. Check. Uh, But you're doing hip flexor stretch. Check. Why am I not amazing? Or why am I not healed? Or why am I not successful? I did all these things that all these superstars do. What the hell? No, I got disinterested. It doesn't mean I devalue it or I'm disrespecting it. I'm just, I'm not there right now. And then I may get interested later on. Now, I have the freedom as an adult who runs a practice where I'm not competing anymore except myself and life and anything life brings me. But even as a baseball player, it's like, okay, or as a, as a competitive basketball player, whatever I was doing, hmm. Why am I doing this? Ah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I wanted to hit an opposite field home run or I wanted to shoot a free throw without leaving my feet, you know, when I was first getting into it, right? Like shooting a free throw without jumping was like the biggest graduating step of like anything. Like, no way. I just shot a free throw without jumping Um, or to dunk or or to do something, right? Like whatever it is, that why, like that – like that reasoning has to tie it all together. So whatever our reason is outside, like whatever's going on, why are we doing this? Oh, hell yeah. And then bottom line, sometimes, because it's just effing fun. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's it, because it's fun. And then we got all these benefits afterwards, and it was fun. But I said, because I got corrected on a podcast, I was with Lori Bischoff, and we're talking shift podcast. And she was talking about training and, and she loved how I spoke about training. And then she, uh, I kind of said like training's not really fun, nor should it be.
But I had to like say, because it's like the definition of training, right? We don't really know what that means anymore because so many people do so many things. It's like, what is training really? Like we don't know, but it depends like what you're trying to talk about. So I I just said training has to be stimulating enough and upsetting enough to change you, you know? And if it's not, then you're not being changed and being changed is uncomfortable. And she's like, yeah, yeah, well, I'd like to, I'd like to go a step further and be like, you know, I really love biking and I love you know, jogging. And, and I just think that sometimes doing things you love is great training. And I was like, I didn't, you know, I was trying to just say, well, those are like things that you do as an expression of your training is my, but if you tried to bike or jog, you know, as a healing apparatus or to continue on. And then sometimes at some point you're going to not be able to do that. Well, then what do I do? Train. Do you know, that's what I think training is. It's whatever the, the things are that provide for those more complex skills, whether it's running, jumping, shooting, shooting, throwing, biking, climbing, you know, it's those more advanced things that are fun. There are things I love to do that are fun, but the training is the stuff I do that allow me to have a good time, you know? Yeah, that makes good sense. I was just talking with Jeremy and Jeremy will be on this little mini series or segments oh, as well, talking about that, that spectrum where children love to play for children it's all play and then once you get to age 11 12 13 you know whatever you're ready that that meter can start to go into training and right and it's interesting to define that right because i mean i and i i agree a part of me with with the you know what's the intention behind this i see people posting the endless living room workouts and i'm like are you having fun? Like, you, is this right? enjoyable like, for you? <laughs> I mean, what's? I mean, if if your outcome is to just straight up get jacked and you want to do a, you know two hundred, three hundred pushups, and there's, I could see some intention behind that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if if you're really motivated to do that, but if it's just to sweat and stay in shape, like, I don't know. There's got to be more fun things than just doing this like on a level i I don't know there's just got to be something more than that so it's like tired it's like i just want to get tired because somehow tired means effective it's (laughs) like really like what if you ran in a circle though like just really fast in a circle so my kids do in the living room we put like dogs chase their tails right we put a box in my living room and it's like my (laughs) living room is probably like you know maybe 14 by 14 or something and totally. and and they or maybe it's it's less than that the space they actually get to run it's probably like 10 by i don't know 10 by 10 where they actually get to run or less and they can they can get full speed almost around that thing you know they're like Dude. one in three so good for them i can't that do that fantastic <laughs> so anyways that's awesome man well hey i i, I hate to I hate to cut it short but uh we got uh this is being just a small segment i mean yeah. shoot at this page we can just keep talking we'll just make it a whole podcast but no um hey it's always good catching up with you about this stuff tommy it's um it's always a great uh dose of just reality with this thing we call training and everything that goes behind it so it's always good man i love it and i respect i respect our ability to move it's all i'm trying to do is just get people moving again often often frequent a lot done done thanks joel yeah got it buddy that does it for another episode thanks for being here with us those were three awesome talks with three great coaches and we have three more coming at you for next week as always if you enjoy the show and what we're doing you can really support us by leaving us a rating or review on itunes or stitcher whatever you're listening to the show on 
you can help our message by clicking that five-star button and leaving a review. Also, don't forget to visit our sponsor, simplyfaster.com. Supplies of high-end training technology, not just to teams and organizations, but also for the individual. If you're just looking to have something to measure your sprint speed, they have timing, free lap timing systems for uh, the individual athlete and a whole lot of really cool training tools that are at a great price with great customer service. So be sure to check them out and support them. They have been a longtime sponsor for us. Okay, we'll get to episode 197. I'm excited to get to that next week and we'll see you all then. Have a good one.